Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, we have a rather personal question to ask you today. What do you think of Christ? It's not really an unusual question. You see, it was asked over 2,000 years ago, and do you know who asked that question? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. He asked the people who followed him what they thought of him. What would you say? Would you say that he was a historical figure, a man who changed the course of history, a good man? a knowledgeable teacher, a great example, and of course he was all of these things, but he was so much more. In our message today, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen explores some of the unique characteristics of Christ. He was someone who cannot be explained, who cannot be equaled, who cannot be excluded, and who cannot be escaped. My friend, you cannot avoid coming to a personal conclusion regarding the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we trust that what you hear about the Lord Jesus Christ in this message today will help you to determine your answer to life's greatest question. Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? That's the question. Whose son is he? And of course they gave an answer. Five little words. What do you think of Christ? What think ye of Christ? One more question in Matthew chapter 27, and we'll read it verse number 21. The governor that would be Pilate answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said Barabbas. Now, of course, Barabbas was a very well-known criminal. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. I like to look at these two simple and yet all-important questions tonight because these really are life's greatest questions and they are eternity's only issues. We're all on a journey and one day, and I would suggest it's far sooner than what any of us anticipate, we'll come to the end of the journey. And when we take our final step into an unending, unchanging eternity, as far as our destinies are concerned, it really won't matter how many years you worked for your employer. And it really won't matter then how much money you made or didn't make. All of those seemingly important questions of life will be absolutely insignificant. But the questions we have read tonight will be all important. What do you think of Christ? And as Pilate could look at a crowd and the Lord Jesus was there, he said, uh, what am I going to do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And tonight, those are the all-important questions. What do you think of Christ, and what are you going to do with Christ? I hope you understand that this is not a matter of what do you know about Christ. I have been around long enough to understand that in an audience like this, there will be a variety of understanding with regard to the person of Christ. I've met many individuals, and they know very little about him, even though this is Canada. This is a 
what we call a Christian land. I'm not convinced it's a Christian land anymore. There are an awful lot of people and they know very little about Christ. And perhaps tonight you're not among that number. Perhaps you'd be able to say, well, he was born in Bethlehem and you'd be absolutely right. And his parents were Mary and Joseph. And again, you'd be right. And maybe you know that he grew up in Nazareth and that he was known as a carpenter's son and he did mighty miracles and all of the facts concerning this person called Jesus. That is good to know. But the question is not what do you know about Jesus, but really what do you think of Christ? And tonight every one of us will have some kind of an answer with regard to that question. It's interesting, isn't it? That after 2,000 years, the Lord Jesus is still the center of man's either their ridicule or their worship. Tonight he is either loved or he's hated. There are believers and we love to sing of him. And yet there are other people and they scoff his name and they ridicule his person. They see no value in him. He means nothing to them. And yet there are individuals tonight across this world and there are those that are laying down their life just because of him. He means everything to them. And that's why the question is, what do you think of Christ? It's absolutely personal. Because you see, your answer to that question will determine your eternal destiny. I trust you will understand that we are not preaching church membership. We're not preaching a certain lifestyle. We're not trying to make people religious. This meeting tonight concerns a person, the very Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners. And tonight we are presenting the matchless person of God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the question is, what do you think of him? I want to notice just some very simple and yet very important concepts or truths with regard to Christ. Number one, we cannot explain Christ just in human terms. It goes beyond human logic. He was absolutely unique. He had no beginning. He is the eternal Son of God. And yet there was a moment when he was born into this world. That was not the beginning of his existence. Yes, we, we all have birth certificates. Uh, there was a date on that birth certificate when we started our little journey of life. It was a beginning, the start of our existence. But the Lord Jesus, when he came into this world, he came as the eternal Son of God, as the mighty Creator. And so Bethlehem was not the start of his existence. It was the start of a journey to a cross. But even before he came, there had been a great deal written about him. And as this wee child was born, Exactly as the scripture indicated, he was born in Bethlehem. The Bible says a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God had visited us. God had sent his beloved son. Jesus Christ is God in focus. And his very first bed was a cattle manger. And yet there were shepherds that gathered around him with amazement, with wonder, with worship. You recall there at a later date, there were wise men that came from a long distance away. And as they came into the house, they saw the young child. They actually bowed the knee and they worshiped him. Now I have seen grandparents look at a wee grandson and there were tears that came down their cheeks as they saw this unique individual. But they never got down and worshiped him or her. But these grown men coming from a long distance away, they bowed their knee and they worshiped him. Why would they do that? They realized that this wee child was the very son of God, the king of the Jews. They saw value in him. And what amazes me is that his biography was written before he was born. Many of us are parents here tonight. Without a doubt, those who are parents will 
remember the thrill that the news of a coming child brought? And I think I'm no different than any other parent. We all have aspirations and dreams for our children. I hope my Johnny will become, you know, uh, an engineer or a doctor or whatever. And we have all these dreams and aspirations and ideas and thoughts. But you know, there's not a parent here tonight that actually wrote a book about their Johnny or their Susie before she was born. <laughs> not at all. Because uh, life doesn't always work out that way, does it? Johnny doesn't become a doctor. Life has many unexpected twists and turns. But when Jesus was born, his biography was already penned, and the book was accurate. Born of a virgin, born of Bethlehem, was hunted and so escaped down to Egypt, became the carpenter's son. On and on and on it goes. My friend and I, this amazing person is one that you need to consider. You need to address this all-important question, what do you think of Christ? What does he mean to you personally? As the Bible says, he that has the Son has life. You know, when you consider the Lord Jesus, how can you explain the mighty miracles he did? He came alongside of a man who'd been on a cot for 38 years, and with just simple words of authority and power, he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And a man responded to those words of power, and he got up, and he rolled up the bed that had previously held him. He held the bed, and away he went. Or the time that they had come to the end of a day and there were 5,000 men and possibly double that amount in the crowd. And the disciples said, Lord, uh, send the people home. They're going to get hungry and they should really go home for supper. And he said, no, you give them to eat. And of course, there was one mathematician among the disciples. He said, well, you know, it's going to take an awful lot. 200 penny worth won't really do it. And then there was a disciple that came and said, well, there is a little lad here. He has a, a little lunch, but really that's not very much. And the Lord said, just bring it to me. And you will recall, if you've read the Gospels, that in that little lunch there were five little loaves and two little fish. And you recall that the Lord Jesus bowed his head and gave thanks for that lunch. And there was a basket there, and he began to break the loaves, the little buns. Just kept breaking. Filled it up, took the fish. John, go over there. You feed those men there. And he kept dividing it. Kept breaking the loaves and the fish. Peter, go over there. Feed that group. And he just kept dividing it until that entire crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children, they just didn't get a little morsel. They were filled. So much so that they took up 12 baskets full. What do you think of Christ? You recall he stood by a graveside one day. Man had been dead four days. But in John chapter 11, the Lord Jesus stood alongside of a tomb. And he said, roll away the stone. And I can appreciate the sister said, Lord, no, please. It's, it's not going to be pleasant. He said, roll away the stone. And they rolled away the stone. And again, with words of power and authority, this man called Jesus looked into that dark cavern and with simple words of authority, Lazarus, come forth! A man who'd been dead four days responded to that voice of power. And a man came out from the dead. What do you think of Christ? Not only his power, but my friend, his claims. He said, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. And if any one of us would say that, you would say, uh, something is wrong with Marv. He's not making sense. But the Lord Jesus said, I have that power. And he began to speak about his death. And he began to speak about his suffering. And he says, I am going to die. But the third day I will come back to life again. And as the world moved against him, they crucified him. And they rolled that large stone in front of that cave. The world said, that's the end of him. But just as he said, upon that first day of the week, three days later, 
Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. His word and his claims were substantiated. They were absolutely true. I want to ask you, what do you think of this Christ? What does he mean to you? Just a name? Just a religious figure? Just a great example? Just a mighty teacher? Ah, my friend tonight, he is who he claimed to be. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. He's the only way to heaven. And that's why getting to heaven, having your sins forgiven, is not by joining a church. Really, we have nothing to join here. This is not a membership drive. This is an honest desire to introduce you to the only Savior of sinners, our Lord Jesus Christ. He stands absolutely unique. You cannot explain him just in human terms. There's something else about this wonderful person. You cannot equal Christ. You can't explain him. You can't equal him. He stands unique above everybody else. You might say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about his absolute perfection. I'm talking about his absolute purity. He was not marked and is not marked by sin. Really, the greatest problem we have is our sin, our personal sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person here tonight, starting with the speaker, that has not sinned. And the Bible says there are wages for sin. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so we have to address our problem, our sin. And yet there was one man born into this world. He had no sin. In fact, some men that had no interest in him had to acknowledge. Pilate, what do you think of him? I have not found any blemish, any sin in him. Can't find any fault in him. Judas, the disciple that sold him for 30 pieces of silver, he said, I have sinned and they betrayed innocent blood. The thief on the cross had to acknowledge, this man has done nothing amiss. And as the men that surrounded him for those years, they watched him and they scrutinized him. Every single one with that exception came to the same conclusion. He did no sin. In him is no sin. He knew no sin. He is this spotless lamb of God. He is so unique. He's so different than any of us. We cannot equal him. And yet that tremendous truth qualified him to become the sin bearer. The Lord Jesus even only had one sin. He couldn't be our savior. He'd have to pay for his own sin. But oh, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. There was one who had no sin. He was without equal. But not only the sinless perfection, my friend, he stands without equal with regard to this power of resurrection. You go to the various parts of this world tonight. You go to the Far East. You can go to the, the Middle East. You will find people and they will make spiritual pilgrimages to, to see a coffin to stand alongside of their religious leader who is still in death. And if we had a still body in a tomb tonight, we would be wasting your time. But the man we're preaching of is the man who was raised from the dead. He's not in a cave. He's not in the tomb. He's not still in death. Upon that first day of the week, he rose from the dead. Triumphant, almighty power. He is the only one that is able to save men and women from their sin. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Tonight, we're preaching a living Savior. We're preaching one who has conquered death, who has paid for sin, who has defeated the enemy. He desires to be your Savior. He stands without equal. 
But let me tell you one more thing about this wonderful Savior without equal. No one can equal his love. His was a love that many waters could not quench. We're living in a very sad world, and I don't think you've got to go very far to come across relationships that have ended, sadly, when a spouse will say to his or her partner, I, I don't love you anymore, and they move on to someone else. Love is fickle. Love cools. Love turns away. There was one who came into this world. His was a love without equal. Our love many times is based on response, isn't it? We love people that respond to us, that reciprocate our love for them. It kind of draws us to them. But when he came, he was hated for no reason at all. He could say, they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. He only did good. He showed amazing mercy. He showed amazing patience and kindness. And yet the world and mass hated him for no reason at all. In fact, Isaiah had to write, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And despite our response to him, his love never changed. His love never varied. His love never diminished. His was a love that embraced the cross. His was a love that saw him stretch out his hands to a guilty world, a world that hated him. Even as they were nailing him to a cross, his love exclaimed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. His love embraced a cross that we might have our sins forgiven. You can't equal him, but friend, tonight, you can't exclude Christ from your life. Now, I realize, having said that, that you can live your life without any appreciation for him. But the Christ of heaven is the one who is seeking for you. We're not sure where you've been. We're not sure why you've come. And maybe you're surprised yourself to find yourself in a gospel meeting in the gospel hall. But behind all of life's uncertain circumstances, we're able to tell you that there is a shepherd, there is a savior who is seeking for you. In fact, the Bible says the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And along the road of life, there is a shepherd and there is a Savior who is seeking for you. I recall, sadly, that I tried to keep him at arm's length for many years, but he pressed in upon me. He never gave up. He called and he called and he called again because he does not want any to perish. This ongoing search and rescue mission is still being carried out. Some of you will be aware of the name Robert Ingersoll, a man who died in 1899. That's well over 100 years ago now. And for the better part of his life, he was an atheistic mocker that gave public lectures, tearing down Christ, tearing apart the Bible, ridiculing all that was of God. And on one occasion, before a large audience, he said, if there is a God... I call upon him, if he's there, to strike me dead in the next five minutes. And he laughed with a, a mocking laugh. He continued his lecture, and after five minutes, he stopped, and he says, See, it didn't happen. There is no God. But dear Robert Ingersoll failed to understand that the love and the patience of God doesn't run out in five minutes. There is a God who loves every individual. He hates sin. He loves sinners. At the night, friend, there is a Savior who is seeking for you. Sadly, at Robert Ingersoll's funeral, as a large crowd gathered to pay tribute to that man, on the bulletin were these words, There will be no singing at the service today. A man has stepped into eternity. No singing, no light, no Christ. Let me remind you of a very solemn truth. You cannot explain Christ in human terms. 
You cannot equal Christ. He stands absolutely unique, the incomparable Christ. You can't exclude the dealings of God in your life. He presses it upon you. But I need to make you understand tonight, you cannot escape Christ. You cannot escape Christ because there is an appointment for all of us when we will stand before him. I think Revelation chapter 20 is one of the most solemn portions in the Bible. And as John writes of that final judgment throne, he said, I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. I saw the dead small and great stand before him. There is a day coming when time will be no more. And yet when the myriads of men and women that have lived and died without Christ will be brought to stand before him. You cannot escape him. You can resist him. You can reject him. You can turn away from him. But there is a day coming when you will stand before him. A final day when the verdict of heaven is read and when the judgment of God is carried out. And the Bible says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You're going to stand before him. But I am so thankful to be able to tell you that you could enjoy Christ. That you could receive him tonight. That's what this gospel meeting is all about. That you might come to trust the Lord Jesus. That you might understand your need of him. That you might appreciate his love and, and the greatness of his sacrifice. And the fullness of his work. And the fact that Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just one for unjust ones, that he might bring us to God. There was an elderly man, I think he was 89 years of age, that rolled in one night. When I say rolled in, he came in his wheelchair. Oxygen tanks strapped on the back of that wheelchair. Not a well man. But he came out. What an amazing sight. Never had time for the gospel and for God and for the Bible. But on that, I think it was a Tuesday night, he rolled in. Amazingly, he came back a couple nights later and then came back another night and came back another night. I think it was on a Friday night of the second week that his granddaughter came up to us and said, I think Grandpa wants to tell you something. And as we came over to the car, he said, I just wanted to tell you that I got saved today. Came to know the Savior. And he told one of the other believers living in a nursing home, he said the next day or the next day after that, he said, I don't know why I didn't do this years ago. He says, I have never had peace like I've had since I came to know Christ. That is the reality of knowing the Lord Jesus. That's the blessedness of receiving him personally as Savior. That's why there are individuals here and our lives and our eternities have been changed because of him. Sometimes we're not a very good advertisement of that. But oh, I'm so glad to be saved. And I'm so glad that I've come into a, an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus. He means everything to me tonight. And with the Apostle Paul, I'm able to say the Son of God, he loved me. Don't know why. The Son of God loved me. And he gave himself for me. That's why I want to ask you, what do you think of Christ? And finally, Pilate's question, what are you going to do with Christ? Because every single individual here, apart from the real young, every individual of an understanding age tonight will do something with Christ. Either receive him as Savior or make a choice. No Christ for me and go on their way. It's life's greatest question. It's eternity's only issue. And that's why, friend, what you do with the Lord Jesus will determine where you'll be forever. Do you know the blessedness of receiving Christ personally as your Savior? 
When asked what you think of Christ, can you truthfully answer that he means everything to you, that he is your Savior? We trust that you can, but if not, we hope that you will read the Gospels and think about who the person is and what he did, and that you will ask yourself another question, what then shall I do with Jesus? Receive him as your personal Savior today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.